You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to jump, jump right in. I see the time, and we got to get moving here. We are in a series in the book of Exodus, and Exodus is a story about God. It's also a story about his people and his care for people. And last week, chapter 5 and 6, as we talked about uh, disappointment and really uh, tied in with what Pastor Bobby was praying at the end of the service, uh, if you were not here, you need to go back and listen to that message. Um, I got more comments about last week's message uh, than I uh, typically do, and I just know that God was working. It wasn't me. It was really God just speaking through uh, chapter 5 and 6, and today we're going to move into chapter 7 through 10, four chapters, and I just want to remind us that we are growing together, and we're seeing a transformation in Moses' life, right? He's learning to trust and obey. We're also seeing a hardening of Pharaoh's heart, and so there's certainly those two things, but man, for those of you that have pre-read chapter 7 through 10, you know that this section of Scripture is super intense, right? It's, there's some heavy theological things. There's some questions raised. It is a page-turner. In Exodus, uh, the story of Exodus overall, uh, spoiler alert, the people do get out of Egypt. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry I spoiled it. But in the process, what we see is that God is deconstructing the most powerful nation in the world at that time. Before uh, we get to uh, uh, these chapters today, uh, I do want to remind you uh, that we are using the Exodus uh, ESV journals to walk through this series, and we have more copies that are at the Connection Center. They're for you to take. In fact, if you are here and you're new or the last couple weeks we had ran out uh, and you don't have a copy, you can get up right now, grab one, and, uh, and get into this. And I just want to encourage you, if you haven't already, on page 26, it really kind of hones in on the theme of Exodus, Exodus 6, 6 through 8. It's not on the screen right now. Uh, we'll, get to, uh, we'll get to 7 and 10 here in a second. Uh, but really, I've got it circled. We talked about it last week. There are some I am statements. There's some I will statements that are incredible. But overall, God, if he were to speak about what the book of Exodus is about, he would say, I am the living God, and I care for my people. And I would encourage you to write that in, uh, in your journal, and uh, then follow along with us today. So I assume that you've, you've pre-read. Hopefully you have. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but hopefully you have. Or at least you're familiar with the story at hand. Now, today is going to be a little more teaching and then a huge application at the end. Uh, but this is what I'm convinced of. I believe God is trying to get our attention today through this through these chapters. And so let's just dive right in. Exodus 7, 1 through 13 really starts off uh, uh, the, uh, the chapter today. Um, it, we end chapter 6. Moses has some doubt uh, for sure. But then it sets up for Moses and Aaron to do what God asked them to do. And we see this 
epic battle between Moses and Aaron and then Pharaoh on the other side. Real quickly, Moses and Aaron, they're two brothers. If you're not uh, familiar with the story, uh, it's their journey of obedience. And it's quite impressive because Moses is 80 years old at this point and uh, Aaron is 83. And when you think, man, uh, you know, that's towards the end of uh, lifespan, uh, they are just getting going. They're about a two-thirds of the way through. Uh, both live to over 120. And we see their relationship with God really being cultivated in their growth, and it becomes top-notch. And overall, we see this huge transformation. So that's Moses and Aaron. But on the other side, we see Pharaoh, who was the king of Egypt. We mentioned this last week. Uh, but he was more than a king. To the people, he was a deity. He was considered to be a god. And he is serving the most powerful nation at that time of history, and because it's the power of this such a powerful nation, he is a powerful leader, and we've said along the way already, he is the worst character in the Bible so far. And instead of transformation that we see in Moses and in Aaron, we see a hardening of his heart, and we see that uh, in Exodus chapter 7. Let's look at verses 9 through 13. It says this, when Pharaoh says to you, prove yourself by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and cast it to the ground uh, before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So, verse 10, here's a, a great example of Moses and Aaron following the instructions of the Lord. It says, so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. That's a big deal. And we're going to see that over and over. Aaron cast, his, uh, cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they called the magicians of Egypt. Also, they did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. Now, this is a wild uh, can you just even imagine this happening? So now you've got a bunch of snakes slithering around. But look what happened in verse 13. It says, but, uh, but Aaron's staff, so Aaron's snake, swallowed up the staffs of the magicians. Pretty wild. So one snake is eating these other snakes. But verse 13, but uh, still Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Now, real quick, and I, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but this is interesting. This sets up the nine plagues that we're going to talk about today. But it is really, uh, Pharaoh, in that time, there was a symbol that would be represented of Pharaoh, and it was a snake head. And so by the fact that the snake that was from Aaron and Moses uh, ate the other snake's or staffs from the magicians was a perfect sign that God was superior. And we're going to see that even through these plagues. And, uh, but again, even in that, there was a refusal to listen. And so let the showdown begin. And I know today is the Super Bowl, and I hope you're uh, rooting for the right team. I don't know who that would be, but, um, uh, but this is kind of the Super Bowl of the Exodus. And uh, Exodus 10, 27 um, uh, or, or, I'm sorry, seven, 
14 through the end of the chapter of chapter 10, there are a lot of things that happen, and I encourage you to read it and reread it and get up to it. But I want to fast forward to the very end and kind of give you a spoiler alert. But it says, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. So after everything we're going to talk about here in a second... Pharaoh's heart is still hard. He would not let the people go. Then Pharaoh said to him, get away from me. Take care never to see my face again. For on the day you see my face, you shall die. Whoa. Pharaoh is upset at the end of these four chapters. But Moses said, as you say, I will not see your face again. And that really sets up the 10th plague that we will study next week. It kind of stands alone. Today, we're going to talk about the nine plagues running up to that. When we think of the nine plagues, there's so much imagery. There's so many things we could say. But let me just throw out a couple things. If you're taking some notes, you might want to jot these in. Uh, These nine plagues, they are supernatural, uh, but they are also historical, right? And uh, so they're supernatural, they're historical. Um, the other thing that is interesting is you, when you study these plagues, there are nine plagues, and they're in sets of three. So there's three sets of three, and the thing to note is that they increase in intensity. And again, it's the Lord, Yahweh God, versus Pharaoh. And the big thing is these nine plagues were a direct confrontation with the Egyptian gods. And when I say gods, I mean plural. They had many, many gods. And God had promised to deliver the people of Israel through a series of plagues, and it would affect their economy, their infrastructure, their leadership, the people, their health. And there are nine, and we're going to hit these just from a real high level this morning, and then we're going to bring some application. The first was the blood in the Nile. Uh, Aaron and Moses, they, they called it out, and it's interesting that that plague in particular. Uh, The Nile was worshipped by the Egyptian people. It was a source of life for them. And it's also interesting to note, going back to Exodus chapter 1, that they were throwing babies into the Nile River to kill the babies uh, from the Israelites, right? And so it was a sign that that, uh, God uh, was saying, no, I'm getting my justice. And so they turned the, the water into blood. Uh, Very interesting. The second is these frogs that appear, right? Apparently, though, when you dig into it, the Egyptians served a uh, god, a frog-headed goddess, believe it or not, that would help with childbirth and fertility. And so the first two plagues really go back to that Exodus 1 chapter where babies were being killed, and it was a direct confrontation saying, you know what? Our God is great, and our God is good. And then the third plague is gnats, or depending on what your Bible says, depending on what version, some versions say that it was lice, and which is even harder to imagine. And this is the first one that came without notice. So there was no warning from Moses and Aaron. It just hit gnats everywhere, again, attacking uh, the God of the earth uh, that the, uh, that the uh, Egyptians would have been uh, uh, worshiping. And it's interesting to also to note that the first two plagues were reproduced, uh, but 
uh, by the magicians, but when it came to the gnats, they were unable to, uh, to reproduce that. But even with the first two that the magicians reproduced, if you read it, you kind of saw that, and it's, and it's quite interesting. And so there were actually three uh, miracles or three signs that the magicians were able to do, the staff turning into the snake, and then... Uh, the blood and the water, and then the frogs. Uh, but at this point, uh, we see that God is supreme. We're going to see that in a minute. And it was interesting that the magicians could only replicate what the uh, what God was already doing. And isn't that the way Satan always works? Satan is a counterfeiter, right? He will he might get close, but he could not reverse what had already happened. And, uh, and there's, there's a lot we could say there, but let's keep on moving. The fourth plague was the flies, right? And there was an Egyptian god uh, called Beelzebub that was considered the lord of the flies. And it's interesting also to note that from plague four on, there was a separation that these plagues only affected the Egyptian people, not the people of God. And they were living in the land of Goshen. And so there was a separation from that point. The next one was the livestock that were, that were killed. This, this really was an economic destruction. And there were so many Egyptian gods that were connected to livestock. And so again, it was a direct uh, confrontation with the Egyptian gods. The next one was actually related, some commentators believe, because the cattle uh, were stricken with disease, then there was, it was, there was a connection uh, with boils that affected dead uh, animals and humans. And again, there was an assault on the Egyptian god who would create and end epidemics. And so again, each of these was attacking their gods. The next one was hail, which is there were lots of nature gods in the Egyptian uh, way. And then locust was number eight. The god of crops was a big deal. And this is so devastating at this point when the, you add all these up. But when the locust came, what the hail didn't already damage, there was total devastation. The leaders in Egypt, it, it says that they, they cried out, Egypt is ruined. It was total devastation. And then the ninth plague, or the ninth yeah, plague was darkness. And a direct confrontation with what the Egyptians served is the sun god. And each was, again, a showdown between Yahweh God and Pharaoh and his power. All right? And so that's the big thing to me. Uh, that was is important in these in these nine plagues, uh, but you say, okay, well, there was a direct confrontation. Uh, well, there's got to be some purpose here, and there was. There's three purposes that we want to focus on this morning, and then two responses, and we all are going to get a chance to respond. Well, the first purpose, though, and we've already alluded to it a little bit, is that these plagues revealed God's supremacy. You should write that down if you're taking notes. These plagues overall revealed God as supreme. All others, there are no other gods that would be tolerated. In fact, in Exodus chapter 5, verse 2, Pharaoh asked earlier, who is the Lord, right? Remember that from last week? And he's saying, well, I don't know who your God is. Well, through these plagues, he gets his 
question answered. And we see this mighty power of display. Control over nature. nature. We already said it was supernatural. And it's interesting that this power of God, Yahweh God, doesn't just stop in the Old Testament and in the story of Exodus. If you fast forward to Jesus in the New Testament, he was powerful as well. He did miracles. And even uh, one commentator mentioned that the death and the resurrection of Jesus was more proof than the power and the uniqueness of all the other plagues combined. And it's so true. And, but there's power, there's supremacy here when we think of Yahweh God, the one true God. And so this story, this perp, the purpose of the story is to see the exaltation of the Lord's servants, that's Moses and Aaron, and then the humiliation of the Egyptian gods, of the magicians, the gods and goddesses of Egypt. And so the first, again, is that it revealed God's supremacy. The second purpose is that it revealed God's justice and mercy. And now this is very interesting. As I studied this this week, there's this idea of obedience versus disobedience. And we know throughout Scripture that God is just. He will judge His people. And because of that, I want to encourage us that we, as God's people, cannot be selective in our obedience. There are four times in these plagues, in these nine plagues, that Moses is offered a compromise. You say, what are you talking about? Well, Pharaoh said four different times that the people could go with restrictions. He said, okay, you can go, but you got to stay in Egypt. And you can go, you can leave your homes, but you have to stay within these bounds. He also said, you can go, but just the men can go. Leave your children and your women behind. And then another time he says, you can go, but your livestock will need to remain in Egypt. And each and every time, Moses is confronted with an opportunity to compromise what God had said, but Moses does not veer from God's instructions. This is a big deal because we all have, at times, will have times where we will have an opportunity to compromise. Maybe God spoke something or God's word is super clear on an issue and we say, okay, well, I'm going to uh, I, I'm going to just tweak this or compromise or do half or do most of what God said. No, we need to follow Moses and Aaron's instructions or their example. Over and over and over, we see Moses obeying. Now, judgment is real when it comes to God. A loving God, just like a loving parent, is going to discipline those that he loves And it's true. God is love. He's full of grace. He has no delight in casting down or uh, the, the death of the wicked. God wishes that all would repent, but if they don't, he will judge. And just my heart for us today, for anyone that I rub shoulders with, is we need a spirit of repentance in our lives. So there's the justice. It reveals God's justice, but also his mercy. That even in judgment, God is 
gracious. Will you say that with me? God is gracious. The severity of these plagues increase over time. It's also interesting. There are three sets of three, but in each of those sets, there are two of the plagues that are warnings where Pharaoh knew in advance that these were coming, and he had an opportunity to repent and to to find God's mercy. And then the third came without warning, but in that we see God's mercy. We know that God warns before he judges. That's a big deal. I've got it uh, highlighted in my notes. God warns before he judges. And now God certainly could have wiped out the entire um, people of uh, Egypt and the whole uh, nation, just like he did Sodom and Gomorrah. But God had mercy even on the Egyptians through these plagues. And it says that Egypt was ruined. That's what the leadership said about the land, of course. But it's very interesting. If you fast forward, and you might want to just flip ahead to Exodus chapter 12, verse 28. I'm not sure if we have a slide for this or not, but Exodus 12, 38. There were Egyptians that left with the children of Israel when they leave Egypt. And so there were Egyptians that found the one true God through these plagues. Isn't that cool? Uh, how God, and we'll get there in a couple weeks away, um, but, but God is a merciful God. He's full of justice, but he's also full of mercy. And these nine plagues certainly let us see that. Just one more thought before we go to the third purpose that's revealed. Humility is absolutely needed in, the, in, in our lives. If we refuse or if we reject God's instructions, it will lead to judgment. If, we, if it's ignored, we will become calloused, we'll become hard-hearted, uh, there's spiritual blindness, um, at, you know, there, I believe God wants to get our attention this morning and to avoid that scenario. So we see that it reveals God's supremacy. It reveals his justice and his mercy. But then there's a third thing, and, uh, and then we'll look at the response, um, it, that God reveals his glory through these plagues. The glory of God is revealed through chapter 7 and 10. Those four chapters, it's all about God's glory. And in fact, I encourage you to read these chapters and reread them later today or later this week with that perspective, looking for God's glory. There's a great victory, the setup, and then we're going to see the fuller story uh, by next week. Um, but it's interesting that the glory of God is revealed not just for the people that are experiencing it live or in the story, but it's for generations to come. Look at Exodus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for, for I have hardened his heart, <coughs> excuse me, and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell the hearing of your sons and your grandsons how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am God. 
What we're seeing here is that historically, that this story that's unfolding in these chapters would be told and retold for generations and generations, and we're still talking about it today. The idea is to tell your kids and your grandkids. Throughout the rest of the Old Testament, there are so many references back to the Exodus. In the Gospels, all four Gospels refer back to the Exodus. In Paul's writings, it's saying over and over, remember what God did. It's a big deal. God's glory is revealed. Amen? Amen. Well, there's three purposes, and then there's really two responses here that are set up in the story. I'll just tell them to you both, and then we'll talk about each one separately, and then we're going to respond today and ask the Lord to be with us. Uh, the two responses are this, softening of, God, of our hearts or a hardening of of hearts. Let's talk about the softening first. The softening of the hearts is the idea that as you read the story, you're drawn in, you take a look at Moses and Aaron and their heart, you say, what is God doing in their hearts? There's a transformation, there's a learning, there's a trusting, there's an obedience that we see. And really what we see with Moses and Aaron and their softening of their heart is that their eyes are open to what God is wanting to do in their lives. And as their eyes are opened, then they submit to the Lord. And for Moses, it was God was in charge, but he was going to speak for Yahweh God. Uh, Moses and Aaron were going to do that. And again, there was humility there and a softening on one side. The other response we see in the story is the hardening of a heart, which is really pride. If you look away, if you read this and you say, ah, I, I dismissed this or I refuse to believe, or if you link arms with Pharaoh, uh, just so you know, Pharaoh represents a pattern of human rebellion that we all will struggle with at times in our lives. Pharaoh saw himself as supreme. He, he was full of himself, and his heart was calloused. He became blinded. He didn't see, and he ignored the call of Yahweh God. And it all resulted in the hardening of his heart, full of pride. And by the way, when you read chapter 7 through 10, there are a couple points where Pharaoh actually repents. He says, I have sinned. I don't know if you caught that. When you reread it, you can kind of go back and look. But I want you to know, it's not enough just to admit our sin. We have to turn to Jesus. We need to turn from our sin. It's a 180 degree turn, putting our faith in Jesus. And Pharaoh obviously never did that. Now, the point is that I want to drive home this morning is do not harden your heart. If you're listening online, I want you to know, you, please do not harden your heart. In Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4, there are five times in those uh, two chapters in the New Testament that says, if you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart. I was thinking about it. Uh, what if I said it five times in a row? Do not harden your heart. 
Do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. It's a little redundant. Do not harden your heart. One more time. Do not harden your heart. The truth is, when you look at Pharaoh's and his story, it is shocking. The darkness in his own personal life, it had to have been a terrible place to be. So much so that nothing that God says or does would penetrate Pharaoh's life, even with the threat of his firstborn son to be killed. Nothing could do it. He was stone cold hard. Do not harden your heart. Instead, today is an invitation for our eyes to be open to the Lord. An invitation in a, to kind of show our need for salvation. Our need to be obedient. Our need for soft hearts, for transformation. You say, well, why do we need this? Why is that? Well, the truth is we all are still hard-hearted. We tend towards disbelief and disobedience if we're not intentionally uh, obeying the Lord. We all will tend even to what I would call selective obedience where we pick and choose what we will do and we will compromise. And what compromise does, it creates a callous heart. It reduces our sensitivity. And church, let today be a warning to us. Our response to a message like today is critical. It starts with salvation, saying, okay, God, I will give my heart to you. Not only do I admit that I'm a sinner, but I'm going to turn and I'm going to put my faith in you. And in a few minutes, we're going to offer the free gift of salvation. And if you're online or if you're here in person, we would love to introduce to you that. I also want us to wrestle with this idea of selective obedience. I, I have my notes here. Selective obedience, picking and choosing what you're going to follow in, in God's way, is not obedience. It is compromise. And we will be judged according to our actions. I've mentioned it already a couple times. God is trying to get our attention. Lord, help us. Amen? Amen. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed. The Bible is very clear, uh, and actually we don't even need Scripture to confirm this, uh, but the Bible does say that we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, we all have uh, a shortfall uh, in our lives. And, uh, and so today, according to Scripture and really according to what we already know about ourselves, um, we all are sinners. There's not one of us here in the room or online or wherever this message will go uh, over the Internet, there's not one of us that would make it in eternity 
unless we accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. And let me just say, today is the day of salvation. There's no reason to delay. And if you're here and you need Jesus to come into your heart, I want to offer that right here, right now. And if you're here and you say, Pastor Ben, that's me. I need Jesus to save me. Would you just lift your hand right where you are? And I want to pray with you. If you're online, you can type it right in the chat. Yes, I see uh, a young lady right over here. Anyone else uh, saying yes to Jesus? You can put your hand down. Anyone else, just lift it up. And again, online, just respond saying, I need Jesus. And we will follow up and connect with you. We have resources we can send your way. Anyone else in the room? Yeah. For the sake of the one, I want to just lead us in a prayer of salvation. It's not the words of this prayer that saves us. It's not admitting that we're a sinner. That's not where it stops. Uh, even Pharaoh did that. It's a softening of our heart. It's a turning towards God. It's putting our faith in Jesus. And so let's just respond. Would everyone repeat after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the sin in my life. Today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. I put my faith in you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And today, I am yours. Help me, Lord, to have a soft heart from this point forward, always coming to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And the Bible says that heaven. The angels rejoice with even one. And so we're so grateful. And uh, we'll follow up and, uh, and make a connection here in just a minute. Um, but this is what I want us to do. I want us all to stand right where you are. When I talk about God's justice and his mercy, I want you to know that even in God's judgment, he gives warning, just like he did on many of these plagues for the people of Egypt, for Pharaoh. And I want you to see today as a day that we are warning, that we are saying, okay, there's not, there's not one of us that get it right all the time. But I, what I really want to hone in on, and I know it's a hard thought, it's a hard topic, but selective obedience is not obedience. We are called to follow God and not compromise. And if we live in that compromise, the trouble that is around the corner is that there will be compromise, there will be callousness of heart, there will be spiritual blindness, and I don't want that for any single one of us. And today, I believe that God is calling us to a place to follow him, to obey his commands. And what that means for each and every one of us is probably different. There may be some that are struggling in one area that, uh, that others wouldn't even consider struggling in or just have never struggled in. And today, we want the Holy Spirit 
work on our hearts and our lives and to make the difference. Amen? Amen. And we're going to close with a song that's called Do It Again. And it's really a song that draws us in to the story and really challenges us in obedience and to trust God. It's a, Moses and Aaron, their story of transformation is all about trust and obedience. And this story of this song is the idea, Lord, you can do it again. And there's a portion of this uh, song that says, he hasn't failed me yet. And the truth of that, uh, we want it to ring loud and true this morning. So without further ado, let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning, God. Lord, we know that you're at work. We know, God, that you're on the throne. And God, I pray right here, right now, God, that you are working. And do it again. Do it again. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. All across this place, from the front to the back. Oh, God, we call out to you, Lord. Help us, God, today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. hearts of stone. 
as we go, that you'll be before us, you'll be behind us, you'll be all around us every single step of the way. It's all in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for service this morning. If it's your first time, make sure you check the Connection Center as you leave and go in the grace of God today. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.